come with us. Into the wild wood. and find the magic within.
Welcome, fellow travellers, into the Wildwood, a pagan podcast with your hosts, Rev Kai over there and Red Oak over here. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Welcome to our live and good now time to everybody showing us cactus here and proper means. Welcome. Thanks for joining. And as always, check out the link in the description, the link tree, and you'll find all of our links, our website, our Discord server. Come and join the chat over there. Continue the chats that we start here and uh, all the good things. And Burke's here. Hello, Burke. <laughs> How are you? All right. Today we are doing basic magical practices. Was that it? Yep. Yep. That's yes, what it says on the screen. Right. <laughs> yes. I'll just I'll just tell everybody now because I know I'll forget. Uh, next week we're doing <laughs> magical defense and protection. <laughs> the post-it oh, note no. will have shuffled off the desk by then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so basic practices. Uh, these would be obviously your daily practices. We actually wanted to focus on things like that and journaling. Um, my camera's flashing again. Look at that. I get it. I have to kick my computer, I think. I'll probably make it worse. All right, so oh, journaling. Percussive maintenance. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Journaling, I know, is uh, one of Kai's favorites. Um, it's a very important thing. And I, I'm terrible at journaling, I have to admit. Um, I keep switching from one thing to the other to try and find a format that works best for me. And I don't think I actually is one. I just need to just do it. Um, but yes, it is very important. You say that like I'm good at it. I'm not. I've, I know. I, know. <laughs> I still have to. I don't think anybody is. <laughs> I still have to work to keep up with it, but um, I bang on about it so much because it's so very, very important to developing any kind of magical practice. Um, it's important mm. to learning anything. It's important to just managing your life. In my opinion, you need a journal of some sort, and a lot of people think think that that means getting a blank book and sitting down and writing Dear Diary every day. And it can be that, but there's many other ways to to manage a journaling practice. And I have done various different things over the years. I, I'm, I do not have like a singular system that I've kept for decades or anything like that because one thing, technology changes around us all the time. 20 years ago, I didn't have, you know, an AI assistant to help manage my journaling. So, um, you know, if you want to keep a paper journal, that works really well. Um, and, and however that works for you. If that works in a, a pre-bound book and you just write in it every day, great. If um, you'd rather have like a scrapbook kind of setup where you um, do some crafting stuff or you tape your notes in that you keep uh, uh, on little pages everywhere that works too i kind of have um two or three different uh, paper books that i keep various notes in but my main one that i use pretty regularly these days is discord i have a mm -hmm. server 
I'm the only person on it. And that's where I type in my dream logs and my journaling and that sort of thing. I've been doing that for about a year. Uh, but I've also like used a notes app in my phone. Um, Evernote I used for a while. Awesome note. I quite liked. Though, uh, so, you know, uh, it, it's, it's about finding something that works for you that you can keep up with and that you can access. Uh, that's a big journals, not useful if you're not going back and reviewing it and you're not mining it for information, which is the main reason I've switched to a lot of digital forms because there's a search engine, there's an index. I can think, oh, there was that, you know, one thing, what did I write about this? And then I'll just search for all the times that comes up and go find those entries that I need. But a journaling practice is not just writing every day. It's also setting up a cycle of review. Um, when I was in a coven, we did the review at the new moon. Everybody would come. You'd have to have your journal with you. We'd go back and review the last month because we were doing this every month at the new moon and, you know, have an option to talk about it and then figure it out and then plan for the next moon cycle. You could do it monthly. You could do it um, yearly whenever your uh, new year is, when your year dies and your year starts. If you're heathen, you get a nice break in there between when the year dies and when the year starts. There's some downtime. Um, but, you know, a, a regular review practice, uh, you might have a process that involves a summary at that point. You might have a process that involves planning the future at that point. Uh, something. Get something. <laughs> and there's so many, so many different um, possibilities for ways to keep track of this information these days from digital to uh, voice recordings to paper. Um, I know there for a while when, you know, we uh, coined the term blog, people were keeping journals like that. I mean, live journal was a huge thing back in the day and people kept journals online. Some magical, magical practitioners now maintain blogs, um, which used to be the word web log <laughs> that then became we blog. That's how we got that word um, as their magical diaries. And uh, some people keep YouTube channels and, you know, regularly vlog, video log and, and keep track of things that way. Whether you want to make it public or private, that's up to you. I tend to say it should probably be private because if it is public, you will automatically edit yourself. There are things yeah. you won't share publicly. So if you're going to keep a public log of some sort, you probably also need a private log for those things that you won't necessarily share. And um, I'm not that great at keeping track of multiple streams like that, but it's about what works for you. It really is. Uh, you have to mm -hmm. find a method. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been, since you mentioned the Discord server thing, I've been doing that myself and it's great because I've I've got it on my phone, I've got it on my computer, so it's everywhere. But one thing I'm, I'm going to start experimenting with, because I've been watching a lot of Star Trek lately, so I'm going to do voice recordings, and it's going to be like, 
Wizards Log, star date 17 November 2023. <laughs> <laughs> it works. The hard thing I it found works. about keeping voice logs was being able to access them later. But well, that's just, yeah. yeah, these but, days we uh, have we have AI transcription and all of that sort of thing that back when I was doing it, we didn't have. I had to re-listen to it and write my own notes kind of thing. And that's a bit cumbersome. Although yeah. that is a method that some people prefer, especially for dream journaling um, uh, in Jungian analysis, telling the dream, recording the dream, then going about your day. And then at the end of the night, listening to the dream and working through the symbols and everything before going to sleep for the next dream is a process of dream incubation that has been um, used very successfully over the years. And specifically, it needs to be vocalizing, telling the story, and then later listening to it. Writing doesn't work for those components. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to things. Yeah, because I've, I've found um, Microsoft Word, the transcription um, uh, application on there is actually brilliant. And it, there's very little editing afterwards. You just upload an audio, it transcribes it, and cool. So I think at the end of end of each week, I can just upload everything and just transcribe it into text documents, and then I've got searchable as well. Yeah, yeah. So the, I'll see how it goes anyway. The technology has definitely improved greatly over the years and I, I encourage everyone to take advantage of the technology but in a way where you can keep backups in a way where you can have access to your own data which is extremely important because uh, mm. you know if you put all of your data and information into an app that you have to pay for and then you can't pay for it anymore there goes all your data oh. Or, or whatever the format is. So keep that in mind, you know, all, all of those sorts mm. of things. And then um, there's the very real concern about privacy, information privacy also. Uh, if you live in a place where it is illegal to practice magic, you need to, mm. uh, you know, take those sorts of things in mind and, and adapt to your own circumstances, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. uh, let me go over here. Luna is here. Hello, Luna. Um, training as Kat said, I do online Google Docs. A normal notebook is for the very important stuff. Uh, and Luna said, I write on myself, then providing it doesn't get washed off, I enter it into my journal. Yeah. That's got to be pretty so short form. <laughs> short form. But this, this is actually very similar to um, if you're going to keep a dream journal. Um, and I, I read this somewhere, and I think we mentioned it on a past show. Um, the, it was in a book, and the guy said that what he does is, because he gets up, the first thing he does is go to the toilet. He has to. There's no option. There's no choice. <laughs> and so, you know, waking up and sitting there for 15 minutes or whatever, writing something down, it's just not a possibility. So what he does, he gets up, he's got a marker in the bathroom that he writes on the tiles with or on the mirror or something. So he, while he's doing his morning ablutions, he's just write, just writing down 
key points really and then he can go back because then he's got key points and he can remember um, what they're related to then he can go back later and write down journal notes so yeah it's quite possible that would work uh -huh. write on yourself so what goes in your journal the most important stuff that goes in your journal i think is dreams um if you want to be a magician, you got to keep track of the sleeping side of yourself because ultimately you are transforming you. Um, that's, that's the great work. That's the big thing, changing the self, adapting the self, um, and keeping track of your dreams. We all think we're going to remember things. We don't. Uh, and I don't know how many magical traditions talk about communicating in your dreams you know whether that's with yourself or with your gods or your ancestors or other spirits you're working with or, or whatever there's a great deal of communication that happens in dreams so you need to keep track of your dreams some people prefer to keep their dream journal separate from their other stuff um, don't get hung up on pre-organizing I, I see that so much in forums um, especially back in the day when it had to be a paper journal people would ask you know how do i organize my book of shadows how do i organize my journal well i can't start until i know the organization system you don't know the mm. organization system when you start because you don't know what's going to work for you and how you're going to need to keep track of stuff so just start you'll figure out an organization system as you go you'll probably change it you'll probably move it around um, the next thing you want to keep track of is uh, what would fall under omens. This is a log of what happens when you're awake. Just like you're taking a log of what happens when you're asleep, you need a log of what happens when you're awake. And I find this is where most people really do fall down. Because we think that our daily lives often aren't that important. Unless we feel an emotional reaction at the time and therefore deem it important. And we base that on at the time emotional reactions and as a magician let me tell you that's not a reliable uh, measurement what is important you often don't figure out until uh, looking back in hindsight and seeing the patterns so you need to write down the stuff that's not important also and it took me many years to sort this out despite my teachers repeatedly telling me otherwise because you know uh, why why would I record things that aren't important? Well, you don't know until much later. And you're not going to develop a reliable sense of intuition without those kinds of logs. If the beginning point is uh, of your intuition and its functioning is what you use to determine what's important, you can never see another pattern if that's the only thing you're using as a metric so you need to keep track of all of that ridiculous mundane stuff that you know we we term ridiculous and mundane because often it isn't often it's much more than that but again we can only see that in hindsight so a log of your activities through the day who did you talk to what were the main topics of conversation what animals did you see what smells did you encounter what memories were brought to mind? What um, activities did you engage in? What was the weather like? 
Uh, I know a lot of journaling apps and, and automatic recording things will record those things for you, what the weather's like, which is quite handy and I always incorporate that if possible, but you also need your impression of what was the weather like. Was it gloomy? Was it bright? Mm -hmm. Was it, um, like your feel. yeah, was it energizing? Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of thing. The weather app's not going to record that for you, so make sure you note that down, and if it changes throughout the day, note that. You might divide your day into morning and evening. You might divide it into three parts. You might divide it into four parts. How you want to note when things happened. But you do need to keep track of those things. Yeah, I was going to actually say that, um, you know, if, you, if you're sitting there with your journal and you're trying to figure out, you're running through your day and you're trying to figure out what to write down, you think, oh, well, this happened, it's really not important, just write it down. Um, because I, I've done it myself, you know, I thought, well, that's not important, that's not important, what's the point of writing it down? And then I've gone through journals from, um, I think my most active one was 2013, so that was 10 years ago. And the stuff in there, I don't remember um, at all, at all, no, absolutely nothing. Just don't remember anything. So, you know, reading through that is just quite enlightening, right? enlightening actually. So, yeah, definitely just write everything down. Uh, let's just go over here. Luna's saying, uh, hang on, I read that bit. Um, I've got my own shorthand and have been at this for years. It works for me. It's good. Um, for years, my dreams were the same thing every night. Then this year, boom, all change. Quality of my dreams is amazing. So much symbolism, communication from the deities I work with, etc. Book and pencil under my pillow. And if the dream is very important, I wake instantly and record it, then fall asleep again. I've learned so much about myself this year from my dreams. That's great. That's absolutely actually, wonderful. I'd actually like to talk about that. Recording dreams in a journal. Um, this is something I find extremely difficult. I have tried having a, a book and a pen or a pencil next to my bed. I've actually tried um, when I whenever I go through phases where I do polyphasic sleeping. So I'll get up early for an hour or something and then go back to bed to do dreaming work and i've actually tried having a recorder next to me because i kind of when i'm doing that i kind of go through cycles which seem to last around about two minutes i'll go into a dream phase and then i'll come out of it and i can speak but it's so inaudible i just can't make out what i'm talking about <laughs> um I've tried everything, but the problem is, if I'm awake for more than five minutes, it just it slips away. I it goes. I can't can't think of can't remember what it was, unless it was a lucid dream or kind of a profound dream, and it kind of just sticks with you. But you know, generally, it's gone. So, what I tell people for that is, um, what magic are you doing to help you remember your dreams? Mm. What are the exercises you're doing before going to bed that in involve building the muscles to remember your dreams. Um, mm. Some people use a mantra, just, I will remember my dreams. I remember my dreams perfectly. You know, that sort of thing. I have excellent recall. Usually a week of uh, falling asleep, repeating that mantra makes a big difference. Um, the other thing is meditation. 
Um, in meditation, you spend the time to go inward and bring up your dreams and, and recall them and relive them and, and allow mm. them to replay on the screen of the mind uh, the same way you would when you were having the dream. It's in there, you know, it, it's just getting it from the unconscious to the conscious and, and accessing it. So, but remembering your dreams and being able to recall them is a skill that you have to work mm. on and you have to build and you have to, you have to do exercises and you have to flex those muscles kind of thing. And it is one of those, if you don't lose it, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of things. Yeah. You can't just build it once and then it's there forever. Uh, you have to keep going back and you have to keep working at it. Mm. Which actually brings me to the another topic on basic magical practices is meditation um, and different forms of meditation because like I was saying to you before we started the show I've noticed I've been doing a lot of meditation which includes mantra mantra yoga but I haven't been doing any silent meditation that I used to always do and I am having difficulty remembering things for yeah. like five minutes lately because my mind's so busy and so active this past two months, it's been crazy. So, you know, you've got to consider what meditation is and all the different types of meditations and which ones you want to actually employ benefit you. Um, and there's, it's a broad topic, obviously. Yeah. But uh, you have to explore all of it. Yeah. I, I, I do like the analogy of meditation to exercise because it's a form of exercise. It's just not for the physical body, it's for the mind. And when you think about how many ways are there to exercise, you go swimming, mm. you can go running, you can do aerobics, you can do yoga, you can <clears throat> do, um, you know, weight training, there's different types of weight training, you might do um, heart rate intensity training, you might like to do low impact, so on and so forth. Meditation is the same. There is a huge variety of exercises to train your mind and your and build focus. And you need a, a wide variety of meditation practices for a well-rounded practice to produce a well-rounded person. Um, and some of them are going to work great for you and some of them are not. You know, not everybody has the same meditation. Although I would say that at minimum, you need a focus practice, you need a memory practice, you need a breathing practice, you need a receptive and a projective. Those are the, the five categories you got to meet in a meditation practice. Now, under those umbrellas, of course, there's a lot of techniques, but, um, you know, that that gives you that, that holistic uh, process for building good focus, for exercising the mind, for sharpening the mind. But I think if anybody, because I mean, I think everybody asks the question at some point, is this working? Um, just excuse the bike in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, you know, we, we, we kind of ask that question because we start practicing and we don't see the change because it's so, it's over a period of time and it's so subtle. You don't actually see it. It's not like from day one, day this day to the next, you know, you've got a sudden change. So I think the easiest way to find out if it's working is 
stop doing it for a couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, then you'll find out <laughs> yeah yeah and, and you know yeah. we talk about all these things you should do there's a lot of shoulds in all of this and a lot of mm. idealism and um you know straight up honesty i'm not perfect i haven't maintained all of these practices in, in a well-ordered disciplined manner for my entire magical career despite knowing about them <laughs> you know um we're still human yeah. we're still human we still fall off off the wagon and, and get back on we still lose our discipline and regain it and, and all of those things so don't don't beat yourself up if uh you're not keeping up with your practices um or if you find you know like hey my memory's been going i haven't been keeping up on that just get back on it and do it again. There's no um, need for self-flagellation and paganism. Not one of our values. It doesn't matter. Everything goes in cycles. Rest is very important too. Um, there are points in your magical practice where it's time to put down the wand. It's time to put down the talismans. And it's time to step away for a while and, and not do it. And that's okay too. Everything in cycles. Um, but the in-breath and the out-breath, you want to get back there. You want to get back into the cycle. You want to, to flow. And I think, you know, when we're looking into pursuing a path, what is recommended almost always, and it's still a good recommendation, pick a path, follow it, right? Follow that training, do the thing, uh, follow this system because most of those systems are well-rounded and cohesive but after you've done that five or six times you're on your own you need to guide yourself especially if you're walking the crooked path it's you that's determining what's happening and where you're going to go with your practice and and how you're going to do things and you can model it up on previous paths but if you don't have a scaffolding, a basic knowledge of I need A, B, C, and D to make a well-rounded practice, um, you're probably going to miss something and, and leave something out. And it can be years before we figure out, I'm not doing this thing that's necessary. Or sometimes we don't even figure that out because that yeah. core scaffolding is not something I see regularly discussed. I don't see it in beginner's books. I don't, you know, it's not regularly out there because it's almost always presented inside of um, a, a complete system, a complete path, a complete culture. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of like the foundation we always talk about. If you haven't got a strong foundation, you're, the house you build on top of it's going to fall down. So mm -hmm. make sure you've got a strong foundation first. Uh, Luna said it really helps to if you can talk about your dream as someone if this is something you're comfortable with and it's appropriate. Sometimes I get certain info in dreams and meditation which I sit on for three days before discussing with anyone else. Three day rule. And Sappho is here. Hello Sappho. Hello. Yes, telling your dreams to someone yeah. else is um, a necessary part of many uh, indigenous wisdom practices we find it all over everywhere and to that end we have a dream circle inside the wildwood temple 
if anybody would like to participate mm -hmm. in that. It's been quite quiet for some time, but um, that is there. But that's also um, why I was talking about the practice of recording verbally telling your dreams out loud in the morning or when you wake up, whenever that is, and then reviewing it later in the day. It's the the process of verbalizing it and putting it into story and putting it into narrative, um, which can be tricky because dream logic, you know, how do you go from location A to location B? Well, you thought about it and ta-da, dream logic. And that's fine. You don't mm -hmm. have to, to have explanations for the narrative, but that process is uh, the same process spiritually, in my opinion, that happens in connecting with myth. And if you, you have to go through it from a personal perspective in order to effectively connect with myth on that larger, um, what am the word, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is, global perspective, I guess, um, non-individualized perspective, the collectivist point where we are all one, uh, consciousness um i'm not sure what's that that uh, dream circle we created on discord closed i think it was not closed as in shut down but closed for the people who are on there yes yes you have to ask everyone. to be in the dream yeah. circle it's not just open to everyone in the temple as it's you know not you don't want to share personal. your dreams with everyone it's very personal and yeah. um no uh, observers, participants only. I mean, that's the rule in the vast majority of yeah. pagan practices. Uh, we don't do observers. So, mm -hmm. but if you'd like to participate in that, uh, bring it up on the server. We'll get you connected. We'd love to have some more people sharing their dreams and, and, and talking through things. And you don't have to come with, I have a question about my dream. You can just be, yeah, I'm sharing it sharing. and I want no feedback. That's perfectly fine too. Or, you know, um, similar experiences. A lot of people often go online with their experiences and say, does anybody else have experiences like this? And that's fine too, but it doesn't have to be. You can just be sharing your dreams. Yeah. Actually, I had a, a lucid dream the other night. I, it's, it's quite rare that I, I wake up in a dream when, during my core sleep. Um, it's usually early morning type, type hours but I was dreaming about my bed, bedroom it was completely it was a really weird bedroom it was like something out of Twin Peaks um, and then I suddenly realized now hang on a minute this isn't my bedroom I'm dreaming and as I realized it, I thought let's do stuff and then I woke up I yeah oh, shit. <laughs> the excitement of I'm gonna do things can can pop you right out of there quite frequently unfortunately yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've got journaling, dreaming, meditation so far. What else do we have? Protection and cleansing. Oh, we're going to do protection work next week, so we're not going to, let's not talk about that too much today, I don't think. But I would say that's a basic magical practice is keeping up your cleansing and basic yeah. protection. I, I was going to say the next thing in a basic magical practice is do some magic. Uh, mm. <laughs> um, I don't know how many students I've had that we get through the first year and, and 
in the first year of training, there's a lot of learning to do. There's a bunch of reading. There's a lot of information pouring into you, you know, as you learn about this world that you probably weren't raised in and all of these worldviews and that sort of thing. And we get to the end and people are terrified to actually do magic because you've learned all the ways it can go wrong. It's like going through the safety class and then being afraid to drive kind of thing. It's a reasonable reaction. As we talked about last week, magic is not for the faint of heart and it's not safe. You know, there are dangers, there are risks, but you do your best to minimize those and, and you learn how to deal with them and so on and so forth. But you have to actually do magic, do something. You have to try things. You have to experiment with things. And um, if not, you want to become a researcher. <laughs> this, you know, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, become a researcher. We need more researchers. We need people with pagan worldviews looking at the history and looking at the practices and, and reviewing them. But that's not being a witch. That's not being a magical practitioner. So you have to actually do some magic and journaling here is super important because you will do the magic and you will feel like nothing happens nine times out of ten especially when you're starting because there's no fireworks there's um, the tingly feelings you get while in circle are probably anxiety and nervousness that you're doing it wrong um <laughs> you know they're the the first time you invoke a god, they do not appear to full fruition with steam and, and uh, smoke and everything in your living room. That's not how that goes. You're going to have to keep a journal of these small little things and go back and look at what happened to see that it worked or not. And if you're not doing magic, you're keeping track of your dreams and you're doing your journal and you're doing your meditation, you will change things still but not nearly at the rate and speed as if you're actually doing some magic. Just the process of laying a compass and that's it. Or the process of casting a circle or the process of cleansing and uh, purifying a space will cause accelerated change. So, you know, you don't have to have something to do in the ritual to practice doing the foundational pieces of a ritual. No. You said not seeing smoke. I've, I've lit plenty of uh, resins that have oh. a lot of smoke. <laughs> True. I mean, that is handy. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not yeah. like the TV shows. It doesn't just poof. I... Actually, that's probably one thing we should talk about is um, things like when you're going to do a spell working or something, make a list of everything you need beforehand and put things down like matches. <laughs> because yeah. it's really annoying when, you, when you're halfway through and you realize you forgot the matches and then you've got to go out and break the mood and everything else and get the matches, you know. And uh, if you're going to light um, a charcoal block, uh, try not to lean over it and breathe directly in through your mouth. Um, I did that once. Not good Nothing for enjoyable. you. Nope. <laughs> nope. 
all the little safety precautions that come along with it. Yeah, fire safety is just as important as uh, magical safety. Because <laughs> yeah. we deal with fire a lot and burning various substances. And, and by gods, no matter what book you are reading, I don't care how reliable the author is, double check your incense recipes. Double check your uh, brew recipes for the the potion in the cup. Uh, typos happen, mistakes happen. You do not want to poison yourself and everyone you're with if you're doing it in a group. And people don't think incense is that big of a deal, but especially if you're in a closed room and you're piling that mm. stuff on a little charcoal disc, it's going to get heavy and it's going to get intense quickly. And you can asphyxiate yourself. You can poison yourself. You can do all sorts of things if you don't know what you're doing. So double check those ingredients. Make sure what you're doing is safe. Um, make sure you know how to ventilate the room quickly. Make sure you know where the fire extinguisher is. Make sure that you have baking soda or sand or something to smother a fire that is not water. You don't throw water on a candle that's tipped over and there's wax running everywhere and the wax is on fire. That'll make it worse, you know. You need to know all of these physical safety precautions too. Those are very important. I mean, I've done simple candle magic and the candle's gone crazy and I've had a I've, I've learned to actually use a metal um, dish when I'm doing candle magic Yeah. and put it on, on a wooden surface that I can chuck away later if I need to it burns through the, the um, uh, bookcase and all these things oh, and yeah. have another one ready so that you can put it over the top <laughs> yeah that, that's my favorite thing is is have something you can put on the top and smother it with because if mm. you reduce the oxygen you stop the fire and that that will help immensely so all of the all of those basic things and just because it shouldn't do that <laughs> it will <laughs> it will it's magic you're adding extra energy i don't know how often i've had glass candle holders explode you know mm. or something like that i've even had a metal candle holder that shouldn't be able to brass doesn't melt like that but it it melted <laughs> stuff mm. happens weird things happen fire safety is important very important and i've even seen you know battery operated candles catch on fire <laughs> and stuff that shouldn't be able to happen it, it gets weird so know your fire mm. safety have a fire extinguisher know your evacuation route make sure you know how to open the window make sure you can't open the window for ventilation i think this is one reason um traditionally witches have worked outdoors <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> I've actually had it a few times where I'm doing the candle working and, you know, it goes on the whole day, so you have it nearby. And my daughter's walked through and gone, why is that candle doing that? Because it's magic. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some really freaking weird stuff with candles, I tell you. Yeah. yeah. And and trim your wicks. Know, know how to manage a candle for safe, mm. you know, candle stuff. You still might get the four and six and seven inch flames because, I mean... It's magic and weird shit happens, but still take all your physical precautions. Make sure you do things safely. You know, um, many of those all day candle burnings or especially like seven day candle burnings where it's going to be going sometime. I like to do those things 
in a you know a tub of water or a big bowl of water because then when it tips over and it explodes it goes out immediately so um just mm. it's important it's very important to have physical safety as where as well as spiritual and magical safety mm. i'll get to the chat just now just have to ask you something uh, sorry, I'm just going to have a chat over here with Kai. Um, with I don't know, I don't know if I, it, it has never made any logical sen sense to me, but I've been trying to make sense of it for years now. I once was doing a candle working, and I had red red candles surrounding a white candle, and one of the red candles, the wax bled along to the one in the, the white one in the middle, and a vein of the red actually went up the white candle. Now, logically, that doesn't make sense to me. Magically, it does. But I, I've been trying to figure out if it can logically do that. <laughs> I mean, maybe we could go into, like, heat currents and, you know, the yeah, consuming. The, the force of the wax was pushing it. Up, right, you know I mean? but, but, yeah, nah. Uh, and I've had that. stuff like that, too. I knew as soon as you were talking about that, oh, the ones that surrounded and one went over and then just went right up into the flame like it was crawling there or something. <laughs> Had that happen too <laughs> it doesn't make any sense i've i've yeah. had um incense burning in a little thurible you know and the mm -hmm. thurible is full of sand so that the bottom of it has some heat sinks so it doesn't catch things on fire right and then there's mm -hmm. some space and a grate and then the charcoal disc on top of that and then the incense on top of that right safe and the whole thing mm -hmm. is on a fire safe tile that's the only source of heat on the altar. Thing over here catches on fire. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Stuff happens. It's magic. <laughs> yep, keep this push. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right, let's go over to the chat then. Uh, fossilized tree suckers here. Hello, hello. Hello. Hello, friends. I have two questions actually, which I'll try to be brief with, but I'm having a super hard time with COVID and I'm foggy in today super headaches oh, i'm sorry, sorry to hear that um hope you recover soon uh, i'll get back to schrodinger's cats so let's go to uh, fossilized tree cell first one yesterday i intentionally meditated with the intention of astral travel but i think i was midway between awareness and sub subconscious um i intended to do it but then it took on it took on I think direction on its own. Oh, there we go. Is this astral travel, lucid dreaming, or both other? Um, I think the question really is, is there, is there a difference between them? We yeah. like to label things and put, cap, put things in boxes, but all the same thing at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's mm. my opinion on lucid dreaming and astral travel. Um, we, we like to label things, and we like to put things in boxes, and have everything be nice and neat, but I don't think it is, um, mm. you know, lucid dreaming is uh, plenty of overlap with astral travel. And if you're sick, you're already in an altered state, you know, fever dreams are a common thing that people are familiar with, but the physical body spending a good deal of its energy to fight off some sort of uh, infection is itself an altered state of energy and so your magic and experiences at that time will also be affected by that 
um, the healing crisis, the fever dream, the uh, shamanic uh, sickness, those are all well-documented experiences in, in many cultures. So, you know, many of these things I think are, are broadly overlapping fuzzy gray areas for how this all happens to, to pin it down. I always say it's, mm. it's an experience. Is it a meaningful experience? Whether it's mm. astral travel or lucid dreaming or a shamanic sickness or a healing crisis or a fever dream or <laughs> whatever you want to call it. The thing is, is it meaningful? Yeah, and also that's uh, midway between awareness and subconscious. That's your um, hypnagogic stage or hypnagogic. How do you say it? Hypnagogic. 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 I say hypnagogic. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is kind of that. It, it's just, it, you get very hallucinatory uh, in those states, and I actually have audio hallucinations. Well, not really hallucinations, they're, they're there. Um, I hear people say very specific things, but it's like really weird stuff like Bob fell off the ladder or something like that. Um, I, <laughs> I can't remember what it was now, but I had one the other day. And I was sitting there, I'm thinking, what the hell are you people talking about? <laughs> well, I, I, I got sick a lot as a child, surprise, surprise. And I always mm. um, quite enjoyed those uh really high fevers and just being packed into bed with all of the blankets and you know going to be pouring sweat and everything to break the fever because i i would travel to other worlds and see through other dimensions and be able to do all sorts of things and you know mm. as an adult now i realize i was just in a trance state and perceiving other things and i can do that without the fever but um it's it's often um how do i want to say this it, it's it seems a frequent step in the process throughout many cultures and many people's experiences to go through that mm. process in in relation to a physical illness and I'm not saying that the physical illness brings on the spiritual experience, nor am I saying that the spiritual experience brings on the physical illness, because correlation is not causation. But I also don't think they're separate things. I think so they're... So the exhaustion of the body. Yeah, they're... I mean, we are in this body, and the physical state of this body is going to have an effect on our experiences. So they're all... It's all woven together. It's not something we can tease apart and, and you know, make into a singular thing here in this linear thought pattern, in this materialist worldview. It doesn't hold together very well. Mm. Um, showing this cat said, I barely hear people talking about memorizing formal ritual patterns. Yeah, that has fallen away quite a bit. Even... Um, mm. You know, the people I know these days that are doing ceremonial magic, they often have notes with them through rituals and, mm. and that sort of thing. And I don't know. Um, I think there is a great deal to be gained in memorization process, uh, especially for the 
repeated formats. I mean, part of what you're doing with uh, rit ritual bookends, you know, your standard opening and closing procedures, your standard grounding, um, energy raising procedures, whatever they are, is you're moving into an altered state of consciousness. You're creating a trance state and memorizing those to the point where you can go through them without consciously reading or um, engaging in that conscious thought, rote memorization opens you up to be able to do the energy work, but getting to where the energy work process is also memorized has some great advantages in how this all works. So I think actual memorization, like if you were an actor in a play, you'd learn your blocking, you'd learn your lines until you could do it, and then emote while doing it through that memorized process. I think the same thing is very important, and it's not as emphasized, especially with the modern emphasis on uh, modern I shouldn't say that with the recent emphasis because this has changed in my lifetime on um, doing what feels right and uh, navigating your own path doing whatever you you think is the right thing to do uh, that's the way for some people in addition to formal training but you know that memorization of those formal patterns serves a great deal a great deal of function in the process of magic. Uh, I, I think back to uh, having to memorize the charge of the goddess. If you were uh, interested in, in Wicca back in the day, everybody did that. And mm. it wasn't so that when it came time to recite that, that you performed this rote, flat uh, thing with perfect words. No, it's so that you could actually connect and channel divinity and within that constructed frame your meat suit knew what to do you know and, and that you had a container for which the for the force could occupy and the the form could manifest in that way and i don't think there's anything wrong with having the words in front of you um as long as you've actually learned them enough to be able to recite them and just refer back to them every now and again well you i do still bring through the, the emotion and the the intent and the, the energy and everything else um, but it's when you're reading it wrote you know word for word and you, all you're doing then is reading you're not doing anything else i i mm. i think there is a point where reading and transferring to that conscious reception of words is um jolts you out of that trance state so I, of course, I grew up with teachers who said no notes in, in ritual. You know, that's not the time for reading. The time for reading is um, not in ritual. And if you don't memorize it, you don't perform it. Um, mm. if, if you can't get up there and, and do it properly, then it's not time to do it. It's time to spend in practice. And practice mm. has its own benefits. So I, I'm not a take your notes into ritual kind of person but the thing i'm i'm even more against is when i see people performing rituals they've they've just printed out offline which mm -hmm. i've seen so many times going to group and public rituals people are literally holding printouts where you can see the ads printed down the side of the page 
and they haven't even read it enough to know what the words will be. They yeah, stumble yeah. over the words. They don't understand the pronunciations. And that's another thing. You don't know how to pronounce something. Look it up beforehand and figure it out. The mm. middle of ritual is not the time to be, you know, trying to, to parse that. Uh, so I, I tend to be no reading in ritual kind of thing. Mm. But I mean, It's obviously difficult to read when you have to have your eyes closed, but... And you have to memorize it. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we go for a quick break and then we'll come back with uh, Sappho's comment? And Sounds rest. good. So Lady Capera is here. Hello, Lady Capera. Hello, hello. Just joined us. All right. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, just going to top up the hot chocolate and all that stuff. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to Into the Wildwood, and today we're talking about basic magical practices and all such tangents. All right, uh, Sappho said, I had a dream and a spirit came through. He just plainly asked, what did I want? It's funny now, but it wasn't so funny then. The spirit in the dream identified himself as Beelzebub and she warned me. I woke up thinking that they can truly wreck me if they wanted. But when I went back into the dream, I was met by another spirit who told me I was being tested. That can happen. But you should also be testing the spirits. Test them as much as they test you. Um, well, let's talk about that. How do we test the spirits? Ask some questions. Um, this actually, I found this actually gets very difficult for beginners. Um, no, not specifically um, in dreams, but um, when trying to communicate with spirits through, through meditation or something like that. How do you talk to the spirits? How do you test them if um, you cannot communicate, you cannot hear them? Um, you know, if I've suggested using a pendulum, uh, getting yes, no answers, things like that. But uh, yeah, it can get quite difficult for some people. Um, the format I usually go to is uh, cleansing um, or banishing. banishing, I guess it would often be called. Um, you project a certain frequency of energy, and if they stay, then they mm. are what they say they are, and if they disappear, well, then they weren't what they said they were. Um, and that's just like auto on encountering any new spirit. Um, sorry, I'm pausing a lot here because there's, I'm sorting out what's behind an oath and what's not behind an oath as I speak. So, um, you know, testing the spirits can be very specific to different traditions. I think that's why we have that overarching term of testing the spirits. But if you can't hear them, if you can't hear their reply, then questioning like a conversation is not going to work. You're going to have to have a different method. So what um, other forms of communication, like using a pendulum, that sort of thing. But I would also say that Whatever method you are currently communicating with the spirits in, you need something outside of that method as part of the testing of the spirits in addition to. So if you're in meditation, you're having a conversation with a god, you're going back and forth, you need your uh, mudras on the side or your stones that provide that cleansing or your suffumigations that will... Uh, be the cleansing or the banishing uh, process. Something in addition to what you're doing. If you're working through the pendulum, maybe um, you use the sound keys as the process or something, something else. Um, I like three ways because uh, I'm a witch, everything in threes, right? But <laughs> the method I'm using to communicate usually involves you know uh, when you call the spirit you've got your your five standard um 
pieces that you you match to the spirit in order to call them anyways and then you have the five questions that go against those um you know um artemis uh hunter uh, of the hunter of the moon protector of the fallen so on and so forth and then you've got the corresponding questions that match each of those and then in addition to that there are the two methods outside of whatever that primary communication method is and i i'm hesitating a lot on those because almost all of that for me is part of the specific traditions those keys those questions those um methods those are all stuff that's behind an oath uh, because mm. i mean that's what those traditions are there to help protect and keep safe i think the main go-to in that regard um, it gets mentioned in most books is draw a vanishing pentagram in the air and project it towards the spirit i, um, I don't think that's enough the main thing probably not but i mean that's that's what uh, it's usually recommended in it. Which vanishing uh, pentagram, though? Earth, usually. Well, that'd only work on a certain kind of spirit, then. Mm, that's what I've always thought. But, uh, I don't know. I just tell it And only off. if you're doing the, the energy work behind it. That's another thing that I find um, is missing. Well, especially if you're learning from books. Um, you don't have somebody there to point out to you that, hey, I know you're doing the motions and I know you're trying to do it, but you're not actually accomplishing the energy work that is needed to perform this banishing. You need those mm -hmm. form corrections. You need a coach. You need a teacher. You need a trainer to make sure that you get the form right and it's actually functioning. Well, I think this is where the difficulty comes in, you know, just reading from books, not having somebody there who can coach you. The books are great, but they can't cover every single little thing that could happen. Well, um, and so it becomes very generalized. And they provide no feedback. Yeah. You can't, you can't get feedback from a book. Um, mm. That's just, that's the big problem. Um, I, I've been through it with several people. Um, friends that we've practiced together and, and we get so far along on our journey and they're like, no, everything about witchcraft, everything about paganism that you ever need to know is in books and I can learn it that way. And my opinion mm. is obviously no, that's not mm. the case. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Let's go back over here. Uh, Luna said, um, I'm glad you said that. Book. I, I love having fevers two for the for the same reason um i also said i get to listen to the magical whisperers nearly every night i'm still awake and reasonably alert but relaxed sometimes i get music too and some nights it's so loud i can't ignore it and can't concentrate on what i'm doing sometimes i'm chatting to jono and i shout at the voices to shut up and have more consideration but they don't listen very ready to. I think we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Last tree sap said it's very hard to shut down sensory intrusions um, for typical astral travel. Normally I see it, but not feel. 
this time was different. There was the seeing uh, what was there, but also feeling it. Interesting that being sick could be the reason why distracting my physical body. That's at least a useful side effect. I'll share more in Discord. It was an intense, fascinating experience. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I'd love to hear. I'm not in any way encouraging people to go out and get sick. (laughs) I just want to be be clear. Um, But I think most of us as, as children probably had those experiences where we could relate that being sick and cocooned and those altered states of consciousness that come with it. Yeah, but I think there's a, you know, we, we say that there's fuzzy lines and there's not much difference between all of this stuff when it comes into the dreaming realm. Um, but I mean, if we do consider something like taking a journey, which is considered to be astral work, but it's not astral projection as in separating your your second body from your physical body or something like that. And that the it's got a, a tangible physical feeling to it when that happens, which you don't have when you're doing journey work and your consciousness is just moving uh, into a different space. Oh, I don't know. I, I have physical sensation when doing astral projection. Mm. At that point, a lot of people probably refer to it as bilocation. Mm. But again it's it's semantics it's it's terms running up against each other and um only within accomplishing the same thing yeah only within a a specified tradition will terms have very neat and and rigidly defined borders uh because as soon as we we cross outside of that tradition stuff is going to get fuzzy we're all having very similar experiences i'm quite sure of because we're humans but how we define that and how we language it that's going to be going to be a little mushy around the edges oh and deborah is here and pamela's here hello 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 good now time to you everybody all right so that's the end of the questions what we got next so we've done journaling uh, meditation, actually doing magic. Uh, what else? Uh, cleansing. Cleansing and protection, which we're going to go into more so next week. But doing defense, defense and defense and protection. and protection. Cleansing is so important. You have to cleanse. Um, I want to say constantly, but very frequently. Just like you have to wash your hands every day and you need to wash your body frequently and you need to vacuum and you need to do the dishes and you need to clean things in your living environment because entropy is a function of nature we track in dirt uh, you know bacteria and mold and all those sorts of things grow the same thing happens in the astral world in in energy in, in the spiritual world whatever you want to call it and we cleanse for the same reasons, to avoid getting sick, to avoid mm. um, everything being dirty and filthy and, and making us unable to function. If you don't cleanse regularly, you will eventually get spiritual sickness and you will not be able to function. This is just, I mean, it works the same way through the same methods and the exact same ideas. So you need to have a regular cleansing practice. Um, for most people, that is some sort of everyday cleansing that goes along 
with the grounding and centering and or the meditation practice. That's usually where I bundle things and where I find most uh, practices bundle things. It's all all part of one thing. It doesn't have to be a big whole clean the house top to bottom, you know, smoke out all the windows and sprinkle holy water all over everything or anything like that. But, you know, you need to be clearing out the energy body frequently. I, I would say every day. And it doesn't have to be um, huge. I mean, it, it's maybe 45 seconds of my daily five-minute morning meditation where I kind of cram everything all in together of this is what has to be done every freaking day. Um, but you can also tie it to other things. Uh, ablutions. You know, washing your face, washing your hands, brushing your teeth, all that morning stuff. That's an excellent time to do your magical cleansing. Because you're doing the physical cleansing. So do do the energy cleansing at the same time. Um, especially when COVID first hit, um, I wrote several different prayers to say while washing your hands, while washing your face, that sort of stuff. That is perfectly acceptable as a cleansing practice. And then you layer on slightly bigger things, just like you layer on bigger things for cleaning your house. You know, spring cleaning you want to do some spring cleansing. Also, when you're preparing your house for winter and you're shutting all the windows and all of that sort of thing, you want to do the same kind of energy cleansings that you would do, just like you would do physical cleansings. So tie those together. Um, as soon as you start meditating, raising energy, paying attention to your dreams, you will become aware of the gunk that surrounds you. Um, maybe not consciously, but it's going to be there and you, you need to start taking care of it. Yeah. I, mean, I think it basically boils down to if you are cleaning something, don't just clean it physically, also clean it energetically at the same time. And if you find that things are getting, they're starting to build up dirt in one way or another, it's because you're not doing with the physical or the energetic cleaning about the same time um you know not separately or or as in both um so you know i keep coming back to the dishes keep piling up in the kitchen and i can't seem to get rid of them that's because i need to do some kind of cleansing yeah and and um, yeah. they do absolutely go hand in hand um when mm. we fall back on our physical cleaning we've often fallen back on our magical cleansing and vice versa. Um, they are intimately tied together. They are not separate. So, and it is, in my opinion, best practice to just make them one thing. You know, when you do the dishes, do the energy work with it. Uh, when you vacuum mm -hmm. or sweep, do the energy work with it. I mean, sweeping is one of those classic ones. Everybody's I, I think everybody at this point knows how to sweep a house with a broom magically and cleanse it. That's been a common practice around for hundreds of thousands of years, I would imagine, since we figured out brooms. <laughs> because they're very handy things for, for cleaning. But, I mean, you can do the same thing with a vacuum cleaner. Mm. You know, um, or a mop bucket or, or, or whatever your tool of choice is. So just always bundle those together and, and keep them in mind. And you're going to have to have 
little daily stuff and then intermediate bigger stuff and then probably like annual big cleaning cleansing things um just i mean for the same reasons we have them in the physical because the little daily things don't necessarily uh keep up with everything that needs to be done but you don't need full-blown you know high-powered nuke it from space kind of cleansing every day either <laughs> but occasionally yeah, you do move, move, move all the fridges and the, the washing machine and everything every day no i'm gonna do that <laughs> yeah that's a lot but you know it, a balance in all things Mm. Uh, fossilized tree saps uh, thank you for these terms once again noting them down to look up and figure out about links and overlaps even if they are not separate they are super useful to understanding differences and parallels yeah 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 That's you gotta good. look at things I think that it also boils down to personal interpretation in one of the stuff. yeah absolutely and, and how you use terms is going to be how the people around you use them. Just, you know, mm -hmm. the function of language. So it may be a bit different in in different places. But look them all up. Read about everything you can. And take everything with a grain of salt. Because everybody's got a different perspective. And everybody's got a different background and experience. is going to color how they're using those terms. And how they're defining them. Mm. Uh, Richard is here. Use electricity is finally back. Hello. Hello, hello. Um, Deb asked, uh, do you believe herbs or crystals clean energy from a home or in a home? Yeah, I'm not really a crystal person myself, but herbs are... Not on their own. Um, mm. Herbs are quite frequently employed in the process of cleansing a home, just like other substances are employed in the process of physically cleaning lemon is antibacterial and so we associate the smell of lemon with cleanliness partially because it is the opposite of the smell of various kinds of bacteria that we find offensive and we find them offensive because they are dangerous to us rosemary mm -hmm. is very similar um, pine is another one but just like having rosemary in your house is not going to cleanse it crystals are a bit different in that in that crystals are often uh, s structured areas or uh, structural components that uh, reduce or um, concretize various frequencies in a structured manner and so again them just sitting there is not necessarily going to cleanse things long term there are some crystals uh, and minerals that you can bring into an area that will kind of soak stuff up uh, like an onion um, will pull bacteria out of the air shungite will pull junk out of the air but that only lasts for so long because it's just moving from one place to another and then it needs to be cleansed or you know something like that but using them as uh, part of the process is very very helpful but they won't do it all by themselves mm, well the tools yeah yeah mm. uh Sapo asked how do i join the discord server all right i am dropping the link 
to the chat. There you go. But Click on the link. Um, you can also go to the LinkedIn tree, not LinkedIn, the link tree. Link tree. <laughs> the link tree we have in every one of our videos, and one of those links, I think the one at the top, is the link to join the Discord server. If you don't have a Discord account, of course, you'll be prompted to create an account. But there's the link. And then when you get to the Discord, yeah, when you get to the Discord server, you do have to read the rules at the very beginning and agree to them before the rest of the server opens up for you. We do have uh, several people sitting there that have never agreed to the rules and therefore cannot see the rest of the server. Just uh, click, there's a little thumbs up at the, after the rules, just click that, add your number to it, and then it will open up the server. All right. Um, what else have we got? I thought of something just now. I forgot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's gone. <laughs> what else have we got? I, I honestly think that covers it. Journaling. Meditation, magic, cleansing. Mm. I mean, and protection. What you're talking about next? Uh, and protection. Mm. Yeah, it does. As That's far as basic magical practices, these are the bare minimum to be a, a magical practitioner. You got to be doing these things to be making progress, in my opinion. Oh, there is one other thing read yeah but i don't think we have to list that because no, i think people people will do it on their own really a lot of people just don't read well um, you know we've got youtube and things like that now so we've got that source but uh, a lot of people don't read books at all well i would say the acquisition of new information however you pursue that it may be reading it may be talking to other practitioners it may be through the process of meditation and listening to your ancestors there's a lot of different ways but i can't i have a hard time imagining someone who is a functioning magical practitioner that is not pursuing the acquisition of new information mm -hmm. yeah I don't, I don't know if they go if it mechanically work that way. Uh, Showing as cats did say energy work, um, which was actually what I was thinking, but we've kind of covered that in everything. Uh, you get energy work in your uh, meditations, uh, doing magic. Um, you know, once you've gotten to the point where you have memorized the, the thing you're doing, then you start working with the energy itself. Um, so it all kind of comes into it. Yeah, I don't know that I would say energy work is a necessary component of a magical practice. I mean, for some specific paths, sure. That's that's mm. how it's languaged. But there are magical practitioners that don't even uh, conceptualize energy. That's just so not I, part I, of the worldview. I'd say it's a very important part because, I mean, it's my main, well, one of my main um, areas of work. So. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I do a lot of energy work myself. That That's the way it could be classed, but it's not the language that I use. Um, mm. And I'm no competent 
magical practitioners that it's not part of their worldview. And so it's, you know, not part of their practice if it's not part of their worldview. I relate most of the language and um, ideas around magical energy and the belief in energy and energy work to a new age worldview. Uh, that's where a lot of that language and terminology comes from and how it's gotten into modern neo-pagan practices. Mm. Okay. Um, Richard said, seems I missed all of it. Uh, I'll have to watch this again tomorrow. Yeah, we're kind of, we kind of covered a load in, in the first hour and then... Well, that's how up. that usually goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right so that's that's called today a day um and as i said next week we're doing um magical defense and protection uh so I, I did remember to actually talk about that at the end of the show uh <laughs> big step all right so we'll see you next week and join us on discord if you want to continue the chats um yeah yeah thank you all for being here with us today and sharing your experiences and hopefully we will see you next week bye thank you bye bye